Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. For a few weeks now, we're interviewing guests of Linda Duval's In the Whole Residency. Some of these, as you'll be hearing, are going to be airing a little bit later into the program and tying back into Linda's interview a few weeks ago. But it's an opportunity for us to be able to talk to some visiting artists as they're coming through town and learn a little bit more in depth about the projects and their practices as this residency is bringing in quite a number of people that are new to the city. My guest today is Moran Binun. I hope I got that close to right. Welcome to Saskatoon and thanks for coming into the studio. Hi, thanks. So you've come from Dublin for this. Uh, currently from Dublin. I, I come from Israel, but I live in Ireland for a good few years now. And just as a quick backstory, you did your PhD there. Yes. And had previously done your master's in New York. Yes. At the School of, the Visu- of Visual Arts. Yes. And so traveling around quite a bit at the point. I, I suppose, yeah. It, it just, it feels long ago. So. <laughs> as, as things start to do very soon after they finish, I find, at least for me nowadays, but... Yeah. Did, no, you met Linda during... I've have not you ne- met, met Linda, Linda before? No. Okay. So this not is... Not yet. <laughs> tomorrow. So, tomorrow. Yeah. So coming in, saw the residency and posted and came in for it. Yeah. Um, it was advertised on the Visual Artists Ireland newsletter, which is the, really the primary source for opportunities for artists in Ireland. And they applied and she decided to go with my proposal. That's great. And can you tell us a bit about that proposal and what you'll be spending because you're in the hole for the residency for three days? Yeah, I'm I'm doing something very unusual for me. My art practice is uh, mostly digital art, um, video and some audio work and some installation work. Um, and it's primarily uh, political art, definitely context responsive looking at every day through my regular practices and commenting on them through art practice, I suppose. And then being in a hole in the ground, I decided that the best way for me to kind of look at the political aspects of my work, it'd be really interesting to to make it an unplugged sort of practice. So in this hole in the ground in a country that I don't know, in a place that I don't know in that country, completely unplugged from digital means. I'm gonna I'm gonna be drawing, okay, uh, which is not something that I normally do. I've been doing a bit of that in the last year or so, but not really much more than that. Um, and my context is going to be a conversation with with Linda. So my primary subject matter in the past few years has been. Um, acculturation psychology and acculturation as a topic okay. uh, which is really moving into a new culture or getting accustomed into a new culture um, so I'm going to use the whole as something fresh and new that I've never been to and I'm going to try using drawing as a visual interpretation of, of language and how language and communicating can really impact how we perceive a place that's initially strange and does it change after a while through conversation or does it 
just change regardless. And then the visuals that you're drawing, this is happening as you're having the conversation with Linda, potentially, or? I, I think so. Okay. I don't, comp it's a bit of a... In response, and we'll develop as you're... We'll the, see what happens. I've course. never done this before. <laughs> um, right. I don't think any of the artists have done this before. Hmm. Like this particular setup, I don't really know. It's quite a different residency, yeah. which makes it all the more interesting to me. Well, you tell me, because, I mean, this is obviously not a small trip for you to come to. And you've only been to Canada, as you were mentioning before, a couple times briefly. So yeah. this is, I just mean, like, this is, a, a, like you say, a new land and a, yeah. a fairly far trip. So what was it about this residency that intrigued you or want, made you want to apply? I, guess? I don't know. I try and apply for anything that I can find interesting enough to develop a concept for. And okay. then if the concept is interesting enough at the end of the writing, I will apply with it. And here, it I think this has a lot of potential for me as terms as as far as doing research for my acculturation related work. Mm -hmm. This is a unique opportunity for me to really go somewhere where it's completely new, so I can be completely foreign from the beginning because I know I've never seen that place. Right. Um, where in Dublin. Now, I, if I go to some of the streets and some of the neighborhoods, I have a pretty vivid memory of what they looked like in my first week. And they looked completely different to me and they have not changed. Right. But it's less value for me to think of myself as a foreigner in a place where I am, like it's a different phase to look at. Mm -hmm. And the feeling of being completely new and foreign. And I just remember... I remember the first time seeing places in Dublin and how that felt at certain phases and it felt different. So something about that experience, I think this residency, like I hope I can communicate it and I hope maybe I can do what I need to do with the drawing for that. And actually spending time then while you're learning that place to be taking the time to record and to reflect on what that feeling is like rather than just afterward thinking back on it i guess yeah i'm also hoping to in the evenings after spending because it's going to be until 6 p.m right to have time in the evening because it's three days so to look at what i've done during the day and see what i can see kind of becoming i'm not sure the outcome i'm not sure the drawings will be anything this could be just a research trip right i'm fine with that but if there is something that can come up a piece that can come out of it, maybe an animation from the drawings. Uh, I'll do some experimentation if I can. And talking about that research, your research is often in the practice-based research yeah. space. For listeners who may not be too familiar with that particular strand of research, could you give a bit of an explanation of how that may differ? I think academically, when people are talking about research, they're talking about reading and familiarizing with theory. And then in art practice, a lot of academics would use this theory to inspire work, to draw from when they do work, um, to respond to with work. And practice-based research is actually using the practice to discover new concepts, new theories, new ideas, new practices, and new meanings in art. Uh, that's Learning through doing, learning through the materials, and that sort of tacit latent knowledge rather than just... Like, yeah. That... It, well, it, it's... It's hard for me to say okay. just no. theoretical research because it, it has to go together. I okay. think for me, there were phases where it 
really alternated really intensively during the PhD and phases where it just went completely parallel where the practice and the theory just showed me each other as I was going. There wasn't one without the other. Hmm. Well, and you were talking about out of that practice-based research, how your curatorial practice actually developed out of this practice-based research during your PhD. Yeah. So then for this residency, you wear somewhat two hats, I'm assuming, of like the artist and the curator at times, or do they still play together? I think for this residency, I'm an artist. Right. I, I can't, particularly because I can't think of an outcome. I think as a curator, I do work a lot more outcome-oriented than I do as an artist. Right. Um, with more of a place in mind and more of an end goal in mind with, as a curator? or I think so, because being an independent curator, I'm opportunity-dependent. Sure. So if I curate it's a specific proposal for a gallery or a specific proposal for a topic or for an open call or something that happened that I can, that I feel like I can fill with content. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the guides. I'm, I'm a lot more practical in that. Sure. Because uh, that's the job eventually. Well, there is there are deliverables you'll need to meet in a way that's different than maybe going on a residency and spending three days and seeing what comes out of it. And yeah, I find that uh, curatorially I work a lot like an editor almost. So okay. if, if we compare fine art to filmmaking, I find that I do work and editing is as much as of a filmmaking art as being a director of photography um, mm. to me anyway. I love editing. It's one of my therapy practices. <laughs> Editing the work itself with artists, but also editing like pieces in and out, or editing the, whole the concept. Mm-hmm. Some a lot of times artists develop pieces for exhibitions when I work with them. So it is editing the process, editing the outcomes. I don't I don't edit other people's work. I don't directly engage with their art practice. It would be through conversation, through references, right. through feedback. I wouldn't touch an artist piece uh, because. I find that, that that's that's the little line for me between being an artist and being mm. a curator. To me, that speaks to the value when we're talking of critique of like in-progress critiques and the idea of working early stage and like not just at the end talking about like, I've got eight pieces, you know, here you go, but talking about the concept and helping develop concepts, helping develop yeah. how you're approaching a subject maybe. Well, this is where I'm very much an artist who works as a curator at this point of my quote-unquote career sure um as a curator um i'd love to develop this further um while keeping my attitude i think for artists it's it's interesting to work with me because i am different than other curators in how i approach them and how i engage with them because i understand i think what it's like i've never worked with a curator as an artist i'm not at that level yet fair enough but um but i've worked with other you know, figures of authority, supervisors, mentors, people who kind of set the rules. Okay. So my rule setting is different a little bit. Um, and I'm very interested in the representation of the artist's intention to be part of what I'm doing. Ensuring that you're not you're editing out their voice or editing out what they were I going I am for. not interested in editing out their voice. Right. That would be awful to me to think that I'm doing that. Maybe that's naive. But I would really feel bad if I feel like I've taken someone's work 
and manipulated it away from them. Does that then, is that part of the conversation then part of the importance of conversation is ensuring that you're understanding what their intentions are so that you're not like... Depends. Okay. I think sometimes I would tell them what I read out of their work, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily ask for their permission or feedback or response because maybe sometimes they don't want to. Sure. But they should know the context in which I am going to place their work because that's... If it's changing the meaning, this is where it's going to happen. Right. So that they understand how you're using the work so that they could say, you know what, that's, that wasn't my intention of how I wanted it used. If yeah, that this is a case. problem for me right. and this is my work. Now, I, I've, I've never been able to significantly pay artists. Sure. So to me, when they work with me on projects that I, I, I also don't get paid. So there's, there's, there's not that option. <laughs> right. But when they work with me, part of what I think they should get outside of getting a voice is getting a chance to develop and to understand what's happening and to see how this maybe impacts their work. So it's a really open process. It's the only way that I can work with them. I right. send a lot of emails, <laughs> a lot. That's interesting though. And you're, I'm, are, you're, are you then reflecting as well in part what you would like as an artist to hear from? Like if this was, is that maybe where that's I coming from? I don't Okay. I, I really, I never got the chance to work with a curator. Fair enough. Uh, it could be really interesting. I, I guess just in terms of that respect and that open conversation. And I would like hope that. respect would be involved. Open conversation, I genuinely don't know because okay. I, maybe it's not so bad to have a, a directed process or a process where someone makes decisions and externally edits your work. I think I'm kind of internally in their process, editing with them rather than setting things about it. But I don't know what it would feel. I don't know what it, any of it feels like from the artist's side, just the, just the making part. Back to the idea of that sort of material-based practice, just to go back to your art practice a bit then. You said you were mainly a video artist, video and digital right artist? Right now, yeah. Okay. Can you describe for those who might not be familiar again, sort of like what type of works you're doing within that field? Well, one of the projects, so as part of the acculturation kind of under that roof, the topical roof that I'm interested in. Um, I'm working on the landing project, okay. which is, it's not just me. I work with a dancer and choreographer, okay. um, Alina Lindrus. She's extremely talented and she's great to work with. And she's a, a, a Finnish dancer who's lived in Dublin for, I think, seven years and now lives in Berlin. Okay. And, understands acculturation very similar, similarly to how I see it. Uh, so we really found uh, a joint interest, particularly looking at Europe and how much migration and displacement are present in everyday life in Europe right now, um, in Ireland, in Germany, but really everywhere. There are people who go there because they don't have a choice. and. A lot is being spoken about why they need to get there and how they get there and whether they should be allowed to be there. And for us, we kind of established our language, meet through video work and her through dance. We, we moved from choice, so we don't share that story. But it's a practice that's slowly developing to respond on other stories. Because after you're there, after you're a migrant, the stories are not completely different. Like once you've passed the 
the terrible bureaucracy and the very painful stories of people who, who don't pass it or who pass it after years and decades, the people who do stay there, it's not finished. So for me, I use video as something that's, that's rhythmic, that's almost an internal rhythm. And working with Alina has been really, really good with that because we managed to really establish sort of a base vocabulary through choreography. And I am no dancer. This is not a world that I know. And it's funny because the one thing that you think is joined for video and dance is music. Right. It's audio. And we almost work audios like we, we have like a third artist whenever like there's someone else who's go, who does the audio i do a lot of the audio processing into final video and the final sort of soundtrack that we're doing okay but we don't work as the audio as an audio would indicate necessarily it's really our we, we talk through it and i think the videos that end up happening and i'm just in the process of editing like our first expansion basically so it's a lot about creating images that tell a story. Um, in the case of video art, it's non-narrative. So there's no beginning, middle and end. I don't work in very abstract. So you know what you're looking at when you look at my work almost all of the time, I think. So it's the non-narrative and the rhythmic editing, really, that I think would distinguish it from filmmaking but focus still on these, the people who are either migrants or becoming culture to new spaces or... We're hoping for that. Okay. Like this is, we're really at an initial place. The, the launch of the project was about our stories right. because we didn't know how to tell someone else's story. We didn't know each other very well. So we found that sort of joint moment of what happens when you go visit where you come from. So for me in Israel and for her in Finland, hmm. And after the first night, you wake up and you put your feet on the floor and your feet recognize where you are because you're at, I'm at home in Dublin as right. much as I am at home at my parents' place. So I would feel comfortable in the bed. That's fine. And I feel comfortable putting my feet down, but that's the moment where I know where I am. I think in the bed, it feels the same. Okay. It doesn't actually matter, but it's the moment where your body meets the ground. So there's a lot of feet in the videos. Okay. Uh, it's a really important element for us because um, I think also the stories of migration, there's walking, there's moving, and the, the feet are a big part of it. I guess what, what it was triggering for me is when we're talking about the sense of acculturation and sense of place, and then you're coming to Canada and to Saskatoon where we have such discussion around indigenous cultures here and okay. indigenous connections to the land and different ways of knowing and different ways of connecting to these spaces. And so I'm not sure if that's something that, because I, I, I feel, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like talk about indigenous cultures is less so sometimes in Europe than it, ha it is here. But we have, we certainly have people, newcomers moving in. They're often, that, that, that would be the term that's often used here. But it just that interaction between those who are moving into a space, those who have been the dominant culture in the space, but then those who have been sort of pushed out from a space, but have been here much longer, which is our indigenous culture. So I don't know if that's something that you're also thinking of while I've you're moving I've not touched here. it, but it's very interesting. And I've recently had, um, I went to see, um, there's an Irish performance and video artist, Catherine Nolan, okay. who was showing in the Mart um, Gallery in Dublin. 
Mm-hmm. And it's called the Mistress of the Mantle. And a lot of the work that she does was actually about reacculturation. So she moved to London from Dublin for a good few years and then came back. And that was a difficult enough process for her. So I, I don't actually know about indigenous cultures and how that would even feel. But one of the things that, for example, uh, were, was in my proposal for the whole residency, which I think will be really relevant for, for what you're talking about, um, about the kind of cultural the dominant and the, the less dominant cultures, is about names. Yeah. So you didn't know how to pronounce my name. Right. The version that you do is the most correct version in English. Right. But you won't be able to pronounce my name in Hebrew okay. because you, can, you can't do that. My partner can't do that. Huh. No one in my life in Ireland who is not Israeli will ever be able to really say my name the way that it is. And I know in some cultures when they migrate, I think particularly Asian cultures, they change their name when, if, if and when they move to the West. Right. And you just think about the psychology of that. What that, that like to me, it, it exists the fact that they can't pronounce my name, but it's close enough. Like for honest, it doesn't make a huge difference. The the sound is still the same. Like the music of it is still the same. It's recognizable to me. It's familiar to me, and it's really hard for me to think about people who pick a different name because they moved. And I think this is something that happened in North America as well where mm-hmm. names were changed by the, I don't know what the correct term, it's but okay. the settlers, I yeah. suppose. So the locals' names were appropriated and right. changed, and they got new names that were easier for the settlers to deal with, essentially. Yes. So in a sense, this would relate to that situation mm. um, and of, of coming back to a place where you are belonging no, of course. And when you're talking about how are you using names during the residency? Then? I think this is where the conversation is going okay. to come. I know That's nothing fair. about the place. Um, as you can see, the terminology no, is please. completely different. Um, English not being my first language, there are, I imagine, quite a few words that I'd be missing in even asking the questions. Of course. Also, I imagine Linda would be very familiar with the nature of the place and the kind of land and what am I looking at? What is this in front of me? What is the correct name for it? And so I've been spending eight years in Ireland asking mostly one person who sadly for him lives with me, but the questions are endless because I need to know. I need to know what's the exact word for everything that I look at. It's really difficult for me to not be able to use language. Mm. And it's never going to be my language. This is what brought the whole acculturation theme into my art practice. This is my res- my resolution with myself. After doing a PhD for years, I got into this crisis with my being in Ireland. And I was mm. like, all right, I'll go look it up. I'll do some research, see what I find. Because I felt like my English wasn't good enough. And my English is fine. Yes, definitely. It doesn't feel fine. Uh, it feels foreign. It feels like the word. Sometimes I would like to have the word and I just, I have to go around it. Mm-hmm. So I have a big enough vocabulary to be able to do that. But it's very frustrating. So I went on and discovered acculturation psychology and the axis of keeping your own identity 
versus assimilating and the price that you would like there it's a it's a really interesting theory um which i am not very good at reciting uh so i managed to place myself on that scale which made me feel better because okay. i knew where i was um all the theories speak of communities so i sort of just took it on as an individual mm. and yeah um i this is part of this was the first step and then that brought on artwork really yeah in response to this understanding of how your acculturation is affecting you as a person yeah well understanding that it's called acculturation right and that it exists in the world this isn't me overreacting right to other people speaking better than me right that this is which could happen fair enough but that, that this is a, like it's a yeah, it's right. a thing, it, yeah. you know, that, you know, this exists. This is actually quite normal, hmm. uh, expected. Right. Everything there had a name. Everything I was feeling has a name that I can kind of, if I remember, I could put into a word. But you're also not the only one who's going to And I'm not this. the only one. Well, I don't think I ever thought I was the only one, but Fair I enough. definitely thought that there was a level of overreaction hmm. that I was feeling the way I was feeling unjustifyingly. Interesting. But it's, no, it was um, textbook is the word. As I you think. said, you're on a scale. Yeah, right. right on the scale. It's perfectly normal. I exist within that research. Mm. Uh, it was very relaxing and um, immediately kind of made me want to put my finger on it and, and go like, so what do I have to say about it now? Because this is what I do as an artist, I suppose. Huh. And the first pieces were in 2013 called the being there um it's a video triptych okay it's one minute videos they were an open call app uh, submission as well sure and they have my feet in them as well <laughs> and there's there are three videos asking questions in a way that only visuals and rhythms can for me things that i wouldn't until that point i didn't dare asking myself those questions and i made that video I was like yeah this is actually interesting what do i think about this actually ask yeah asking yourself the question and giving yourself space to answer it rather yeah than... i haven't i don't have answers for these questions i don't know if i ever will no but to just even just have that space to yeah wrestle with them or consider them or... and all my questions are political okay which or i kind of i could have guessed but i didn't interesting the political stuckness of coming from a place of conflict and living in a place that isn't quite settled. Mm. And where am I responsible? Where okay. am I more responsible? Where do I feel the guilt? And this is non-Catholic of me. I was looking for like, which, which country here do I feel more guilty about being messed up? For now, Israel is okay. still in the lead. Uh, well done, Israel. <laughs> But but Dublin, but Ireland I def is still well, there. I had Ireland, you know, um, abortion laws, um, the repeal the eight campaign has made progress and steps, but it's still illegal for women to make choices that have to do with their own lives. And that saddens me deeply. The fact that people in the country that I live in and will probably at some point become a citizen of generally see me as a murderer the fact that that exists and that's a valid point of view hmm. that's it makes me angry and sad and the women that can't deal with their situations in the way that i was able to do 
again, questions of um, rules and migration and the limitations that are put specifically on women mm. um, because the solution of travel for abortion isn't available for everyone. Right. Because some people can't leave for various reasons. It's horrible and it's, it's not okay of a country to do that. So I, I really use social media a lot to try and place myself within this Israel or Ireland or Israel or Ireland. And I kind of, I keep testing my own reactions. Hmm. Um, which prime minister frustrates me more, you know, which campaign I feel more passionately about. And it's all about people's lives. So you can't really choose ever. Right. Um, I now feel equally responsible for two countries being messed up. Just adding to that. That, you know, for fun. Goodness. Well, but three days in a hole. And then I'll be three days in a hole. To ponder. Um, or to... In a farm without a new Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm without a roaming plan on my phone. So just disconnected. I think Linda is going to be the only person I talk to. <laughs> but I heard there's a dog, so I might have some good conversations there. And then we all get to hear it afterward. Uh, it's also, is it being, the audio being streamed as well? Yes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I get to be able to break that. At least uh, it has been for it others. recorded? It's recorded and then uh, like a few days later presented in the gallery. Okay. So it's... Does it go online? Uh, not to my knowledge at this point, but I okay, don't, you don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, what I know is that they're not able to live stream because that's, I think that's too bad. I mean, I hate myself for saying that because I would hate to be live streamed, for honest. but it's, I think there's, there could be, it could have been cool. I, yeah. There's a performative aspect to it. If it's live streamed. Yeah. To my knowledge, it was, uh, basically because there was no Wi-Fi, and yeah. the data was too inconsistent. I, I yeah. But um, yeah, but so it will be still. But no, when I've been in paved space, it is audio as well. So I will keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> but just that that idea. Just keep of, it clean. Oh, I, no, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> it's it's still in our gallery, you know. But you'll see exactly how many questions I ask. Okay. Of I expect to ask, just to find out what's around me. Interesting. It's interesting to me to, for you to be asking that question like immersed in the land when to come back to that sort of that idea of learning from this place and i feel like you're learning directly from that land from that you know rather than textbook you know yeah you're you're just going out there and you're going to sit there i'm going to sit there and be a foreigner and then maybe a tourist i don't know i think maybe after six hours in there you feel less like a tourist and more like just someone who doesn't really belong there but i'm still sitting there okay and the next day i'll come back and i'll still be there and maybe there'll be a thing that I'll try and draw and can't draw and that'll become my battle. I don't really know what it might rain crazy as well. So I'm not entirely set on how this drawing in a hole going to work with a lot of rain. Right. Uh, so we will see what happens. <laughs> but... You have it, the ideas outlined, and then we'll see. I have a couple of options. Um, Practice-wise, the practical aspect of kind of of going back and forth between I'll sit in one place the whole time and my point of view will just change internally Mm -hmm. and between actually just it's a round hole, so trying to kind of go around it and then it would already create a sense of animation Mm. uh, when processed later. Because you're drawing in small sequences yeah. as you go. Interesting. So I, I don't know. 
I don't even know what kind of drawing I'm going to do because I've never drawn full pages. Okay. It's always been an object. I've, I mostly drew dancers. Okay. Um, focusing on motion. This is not going to move <laughs> at all. So this is completely new. Yeah, composition, like full page composition. I don't know that I'm going to do full page compositions. I think it's going it's to be, be looking at the thing that's looking back at me. Okay. Which I don't know what that will get like. We'll see. Uh, well, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm to... really just going blind to <laughs> the whole thing, um, focusing on how it would change how I look at it when I know what it's called. Hmm. Basically, I think that's my research question there. Will it change? How will it change? And can I capture it? Cool. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to before we finish here? I think there is one small, odd, personal thing about coming to Saskatoon for me. Okay. Um, it's very social media kind of thing. Uh, there's a, a woman that is that was part of the Israeli Twitter community. Okay. Um, that I had a lot of conversations about books and art and was part of... I tend to make these odd choices. So I, when I was drawing dancers, I was working off photos part of the time. So I numbered them and had people from Twitter pick numbers for me. And then I would draw that picture and send them the picture. Cool. And she picked a fantastic one. Uh, and I sent it back to her and she asked me about it. Um, and she, as well as myself, do you know the show Northern Exposure? Yes. So yes, the, only, the only thing I knew about Saskatoon before coming here was that Shelley was teen Miss Saskatoon before she went to Alaska. <laughs> that was my, yeah, I've been, I've been telling this to people all day and everyone's just like, that's a great thing to know about Saskatoon. So Sonia yeah. um, was a fan of the show, and uh, as am I. And so we talked about that a little bit. And then when I got this residency a few months ago, I messaged her and she was super excited. And we basically agreed that I will send her a postcard. And, um, and she passed away oh, no. a week and a half ago from cancer. Uh, yeah, she, ha she has um, two little girls and a husband. Who, wow. And apparently she had quite a life celebrating funeral. She was a very special woman. Hmm. Um, and I don't get to send her that postcard. <laughs> so I don't know, just mentioned here. Because one of the things that she had on her Twitter account was um, that she'd like to move to Alaska, be Shelly and marry Chris. And I'm in a little town in Canada where Shelley's from in a small radio quest, <laughs> a small radio station. So it's really, I just needed to mention it. Well, thank you for doing so. That's yeah. great. And for, for listeners who would like to follow your practice or find out more about you, is, how can they find you on social media or web? Or I have a website. Okay. It's M-O-B-E spaces dot wordpress dot com. Okay. Then and there's links to everything from there. Okay. Perfect. And yeah. so they just find you there. Yeah. And we'll be able to find your social media or anything else from there. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. And I look forward to seeing the, well, seeing the process. We'll see what happens. <laughs> exactly. You'll see it before me.
that's a funny thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, but thank you for coming in and joining us in Saskatoon here. So. Thanks for having me. Again, I'm Michael. This has been Unframed, Conversations About the Arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon. A reminder, as always, you can find us on social media, and we'll link to Moran's uh, website from there. Uh, it is unframedradio.com, or find us for Unframed Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And a reminder, as always, that you can listen to this episode or any of our past episodes on our website or on iTunes. There will be an extended version of this interview on the podcast. Thanks, and have a good evening. <laughs>